Hello and welcome to the Morrissey Exchange podcast. The information contained within this podcast has been provided as general advice only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances or objectives. You should consider if this advice is right for you and consult your financial advisor for further information. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Morrissey Exchange. I have, as usual, my friend and contemporary with me today, Mr. Alex Henderson. Hello, Alex. Hello, Ben, and hello, listeners. And we'd like to run through some of the more prominent features of investment markets at the moment. There's a bit going on, so let's dig straight into it. First and foremost, the vaccines are being rolled out globally. We know that full well. We also saw J&J uh, just recently on the weekend had a vaccine approved in the US, which gives us three choices or three Western choices now. The COVID rolling lockdowns continue to be a feature. Auckland's down for another week. But of course, the big issue right now, uh, which you've probably seen in the press and elsewhere, is the movement in the long bonds. So why do we care about it? There's a couple of reasons. Firstly, interest rates are like gravity to asset values. And what I mean by that is, and I've stolen the phrase, it's, I think it's a Warren Buffett term, but as interest, rate, interest rates rise, asset values fall. As interest rates fall, asset values rise. And the reason behind that, that the pure and simple reason behind that is, the lower an interest rate is, the lower the holding cost is uh, to own that asset. So when you've got interest rates declining, people are more encouraged to go out and buy assets. And we're seeing that at the moment. So we're seeing with interest rates at record lows, even the property market, which we thought was going to be cactus for the next couple of years, it's flying. And we're starting to see that money moving around in, in, um, in the equity markets as well. So it is very key that when there's a sign that interest rates are going to increase, that it could potentially and most likely have a negative impact on the values of assets. So right now, Alex, what do you think is the place to be and where has the place to have been up until this point? Well, it's really interesting. The last week or so, um, the actual price or the, the movement in tech stocks over the last six months, year, have been astronomical. And what we're seeing is a reversal of that. So the relative growth and the relative valuations of, of these tech stocks um, are a little less attractive as the bond bond yields increase. So we're seeing a lot of those tech names, um, you know, Apple over in the States, they're coming off a, a fair way, Microsoft, that sort of thing. Over here, we've got stocks like Altium, NetWealth, Zero, Appen, WiseTech. They're all sort of off 20% since their reporting. So um, we're seeing a real shift in that um, particular relative valuation. People are getting out of the tech stocks and they're moving into something that they're a little bit more comfortable with. Maybe they're moving into bonds because it really is about that risk return trade-off. If you can get a higher price or a higher coupon or a higher return on bonds, why not go there for that relative safety versus a tech where you know, you've got quite a bit of risk there? But obviously the movement of money hasn't been so substantial that it's kept those rising interest rates down, but notwithstanding it's a an increasingly attractive destination for money and as, as Alex said of the money coming out of growth stocks. The other interesting point about it is 
Why are interest rates going? Because it's an indicator of coming inflation. And one of the key things that I was sort of looking back on to, to try and get a guide as to what we should expect from here was I went back to some of the more telling periods as far as inflation and interest rates were concerned. And clearly, one of the ones that really stood out was the late 80s, early 90s, when we saw interest rates both here and overseas running at around 17, 18% at an official rate level. You know, we're at point one at the moment. It's currently mm. basically zero interest rates, whereas then it was about 17 to 18%. What was interesting, though, was that inflation at the time was only 10%. So why were interest rates running at about 17, 18% and, in, and uh, the actual inflation rate sitting at 10%, whereas now you've got the interest rates at 0.1%, but in, uh, inflation looks as though it's sitting at around 2%. And the outcome was the US central bank was so paranoid about their uh, economy overheating they were just prepared to force interest rates higher and higher and higher just to put a cap on the growth that was being achieved over there. So when, when you bring it back to today, you're probably not going to see a situation like that again. You might. You know, we wouldn't have expected to see interest rates running at 0.1%, mind you. But because the US Federal Reserve decided to kill the economy, economic growth over there, all the other countries around the world wanted to do the same thing. They didn't want to be left with the only overheating economies. But, of course, it killed everything. And, you know, we, we here saw that uh, the banks almost collapsed, Westpac almost went under, yeah. um, and it had just such a significant impact on, on the markets and the turnaround of, of economic growth in the country. And as well as that, you saw probably, what, 30-odd years, um, you know, give or take a few blips on the way, 30 years of asset prices increasing. If you look from the 1990 to 2020, that's 30 years, interest rates from what 17 down to basically zero, it really fueled the economy, it fueled asset price growth, and that's what we've saw for many years. So what we've got now is the, the central banks, both here and overseas, they're holding the short-dated bonds lower. So what they're doing is they're in the market and they're actually physically buying those bonds to keep the interest rates at a lower point so that they don't blow up. What we are seeing, and this is the key point behind this discussion, is the long bonds are starting to rise. So they're not buying those long bonds, which is enabling the interest rates to get high. And so just to put it into perspective, I know a lot of this sounds confusing, but with bonds, it's basically $100 less the interest rate. So that means when the interest rate is going up, the bond value is going down and vice versa. So what we've got is the, the US interest rates, as Alex said, have gone up from about 0.75% in September to about 1.75% now. Uh, we've gone up from about 0.9% to about 1.8% over the same period. The other important point that comes out of that is, of course, that we need to be competitive as a country and therefore we want to have our currency at a competitive level. And I don't know whether you guys have noticed or not, but the Australian currency versus the US has surged from about 56 cents to 80 cents since oh, I think it was what six months or so, six something months. like that. Yep. And what the Reserve Bank are also keen to do is buy the short term rates to ensure that our currency doesn't go go running ahead because what can happen is if our interest rates move up, 
Internationals look at the interest rates being competitively higher, so they want to buy our interest rates compared to uh, our peers overseas. So there's a number of different games being played within. Um, but yeah, it's such an interesting time to really be focusing on these these long bonds. And you know, with the governments being as indebted as they are now, probably more so than ever before, they simply cannot afford for too much growth in the interest rates because they can't afford it. They can't afford to be servicing those extraordinary levels of debt. Alex, what about the market's expectation of interest rates from here? So we've seen that they've pushed up on the long bonds. We've seen the shorter dated bonds staying where they are. What does it look like the market is expecting over the next five to 10 years? Then the market's forecasting about 2.3% inflation over the next five years, and, and then it will settle down to about 2% for five years after that. So the central banks, um, their, their main focus has been on price stability, and that's over the last sort of 20 years. But at the moment, I think that they've changed tack a little bit in that they are really looking for economic growth. Um, they need good economic growth. They need full employment or as close to full employment as they can get. Um, so they're, they're prepared to let inflation run and prices to run up a bit. So I think that they're wanting to see a higher inflation rate, people back at work, the economy growing strongly, before then they might tap the brake and put interest rates up. So I know we're beating our own drum here, but this, for mine, looks like a pretty good time for what we've been pushing, which has been the hybrids because of their floating rate notes. Can you explain that in, in greater detail and, and refer to some of the... Um, some of the hybrids that have rolled off just recently? Yeah, so the hybrids, um, so what you're getting with the hybrid is that interest rate coupon or, or distribution every quarter or six months. And generally at the moment, they're being issued as floating rate notes. So as the interest rate goes up, the bank bill swap rate that is, as that increases, you'll also see an increase to the distribution rate. Conversely, as it falls, you'll also see a drop in that interest rate. But um, what we've seen in December, Westpac and NAB both came to market and raised additional capital, and they raised at 3.4% and 3.5% above the bank bill swap rate, and that includes franking. So, um, and, and they got quite a lot of money. They were very in-demand, um, two products, and obviously two of the largest banks in Australia. And then last week, we saw Commonwealth Bank. They actually issued, a, I think it was a billion dollars, and they've actually raised, or raised that money at 2.75% above the bank bill swap rate. So in you know, two months, we've seen that expectation of return drop from 3.5% to 2.75%. So I know that Commonwealth Bank will be pretty happy with that. They've raised capital at a much cheaper rate. Um, but that shows you how quickly things can turn. December, they were, uh, investors were running a lot higher return for their, for their money, but... Uh, now that's dropped, so that's an interesting time. So outside of the hybrids, um, you know, from a, from an investment standpoint, we're looking at what is the right sector, what are the right sectors, what are the right companies to be exposed to through this period. Yep. You know, we're what, one of the clear, obvious benefit uh, beneficiaries uh, for mine are the commodity stocks. So you know, materials, the BHPs. Um, the Rio's, Luminas, those sorts of businesses, because simply put, uh, they perform well, as does oil. Oil particularly, um, or energy, I should say, performs well in, in this type of environment. 
An interesting one is utilities. Utilities tend to do quite well, not because they're outperforming, but because they're seen as a defensive. We need to use our energy. We need to you know, drive the car and use the toll roads and those sorts of things. So they tend to perform well during these periods. The other interesting point is that because it's a a reflationary regime. You know, we're not we're not there yet as far as strong inflation is concerned. So there's still lots of slack in the economy. What that means is banks will also do well at this point in time. And as inflation, real inflation comes through and that gets priced in, sure, banks will underperform then, but for the moment there's no bad debt, well there's very few bad debts, there's very few write-offs. The banks will also perform particularly well at this point in time. So I certainly stand by everything that we, we've been recommending to this point. You know, the, the commodity stocks, the energy stocks, uh, the banking stocks, the REITs as well, which um, we could touch on later if we got time. But they seem to be the areas to be exposed to uh, here and now. What about gold, Ben, and Bitcoin? I know that you've been talking about gold in the uh, in the weekly, and we've certainly touched on that in previous podcasts. So. Why is Bitcoin receiving all this interest and not gold at this time? Well, thank you for pointing out the elephant in the room, Alex. Yes, we've got gold badly wrong so far. And to be perfectly honest, I do not know why. I, in an environment where more and more money is being printed, it is a no-brainer that gold should be performing. And we've generally been getting exposed to Newcrest, which is one of the best uh, and biggest gold mining companies uh, in the world. But even, even Newcrest has been underperforming. So... All I can suggest is there is so much speculative money. There's been so many people at home, so many people accessing their money, so many people with time on their hands. You know, we've had the GameStop scenarios where there's been a us and them mentality where mums and dads are looking at taking on Wall Street and teaching them a lesson. And there's just so much speculative money in the market. I can only suggest that that is the reason why Bitcoin is receiving the interest as opposed to something like gold. Because for mine, Bitcoin has a place in this world. There's no doubt about it. These digital currencies have a relevant place in this world where you've, you don't have a currency tied to an, uh, an economy. I think that makes sense. But when you've got something which is based on rarity, there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin in time. I think there's something like 18 million around and you know, the mining continues as far as people spending huge amounts of money on technology to mine further Bitcoins. At the end of the day, it's just a currency. It's not an investment. It's just a currency. There's nothing behind it. You know, there's a lot of things out there that are rare, but don't have any decent value and won't go up in value. So I don't understand personally why the interest in Bitcoin, all I can suggest is speculative excitement. And I do still firmly believe the interest will return to gold and gold will continue to, well, not continue to, but will perform well over coming years. And how about the Aussie market at the moment? So Friday's fall and, and Monday's rise, it's about a 12% TSR. So that's that's well within sort of, um, you know, a normal or a good band of, of return. So the, the reporting season, the, the impact on those rising interest rates on valuations, um, we can see that it was one of the best reporting seasons for the last 15 years, which surprised me. And I think that really is all about the expectations. So we saw a 4% rise in, in earnings um, in the February reporting period, which was um, a stark contrast to last uh, last period, where what we were seeing was um, COVID-related um, downgrades and the like. So what we're seeing now is 
that analysts are becoming increasingly confident in companies' earnings um, and that V-shaped recovery. So they're, they're more confident, therefore they're pushing their price um, or their estimates of 12-month prices up. What will happen, though, if interest rates rise? Well, I think you'll see some of those valuations getting pulled back. It's a bit like a party, really. It's um, You're at sort of 7 o'clock and the police have just turned up and, my goodness, you don't want to miss out on that party. But if you leave it too late, you've, you don't want to be left when the lights come on at, uh, at midnight. Okay, so putting aside the fact that you never want to leave parties like my wife... Um, <laughs> What about the impact on valuations? You know, we're talking about the, the TSR, which which is an acronym for total shareholders return, which yep. includes the growth, expected capital gain, plus the dividend. So that's a good TSR. 12% is a good solid TSR. You can certainly justify buying into a market with a 12% TSR. But, but what happens when interest rates rise and what does it do to the valuations? Well, so the analysts um, generally use a what's called a DCF model. So that means discounted cash flows. So what they're doing is they're predicting the cash flows of the company out into the future, um, which is is a difficult thing to do. And then they're discounting it back for that interest rate. So as those interest rates fall, then the actual, um, the, the cost of capital falls and therefore you can get a higher discounted cash flow valuation. Um, so as those rise, then you, you're getting the opposite. So again, it's a, there is quite a lot of, I'm going to say guesswork, but skilled guesswork in predicting those cash flows. It, it's a difficult thing to do. But if you lower your assumptions on interest rates, you can get a much higher valuation on companies. When you look at the interest rates, the leverage when you input these interest rates into these formulas, into these calculations, the leverage that you get on the valuation of the business is quite substantial. So it doesn't sound like much, but but every little tweak of an interest rate within a DCF valuation can have a dramatic impact. And it it can it can be used a little bit disingenuously where analysts want to get a higher valuation or analysts want to get a lower valuation. But at the end of the day, with interest rates rising, it's absolutely going to have a negative impact on company valuations going forward. So, Alex, just quickly, you were talking about the solid reporting season. Um, yep. Looks as though it was considerably better than what everyone expected. And, and certainly we, were, we expected that kick, but obviously um, uh, with such a good reporting season, that would suggest that there was some pretty decent dip well. It doesn't suggest, well, hopefully there were some pretty decent dividends coming through. Was that the case? Yeah, that, that was the case. Look, uh, just sort of coming back to some of the um, some of the reports. So you saw a company like Zip Money, they, they had a pretty good result, but they got hit last week really hard. So they're off something like 10, 15%. Um, whereas other companies like Qantas and Flight Centre, they had poor results, but the market's seeing through that and they're saying, look, there's a V-shaped recovery in the economy. So the three years, everyone will be travelling for, for the next few years. So um, there is a lot of confidence there. But you're right, there is um, something like $25 billion worth of dividends declared already, and that will be paid through March and, and April. So, And that's not including, obviously, some of those banks. So some of the three of the four majors, they're yet to uh, have their dividends. So look, it compares last year where there were about $24.6 billion and what you're seeing there is money that will come back to investors and where will it go? Most likely back into the market um, 
and that will be supportive, I think, of valuations going forward. So it really looks like things are heating up. You know, don't be like me and leave the party too early. Don't be like others and leave the party too late. But yeah, it's obviously a, a very interesting time. And so a, a time, a good time to sort of stay in touch with us, keep listening to the podcast, keep, keep reading the weeklies. But yeah, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of variables which can have a fairly dramatic impact on where things go. So thank you for listening. Um, if you have any queries about this discussion or require any other information, please either call us on 9268 shoot us an email or jump onto our website at www.morrisseygroup.net. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ben. Have a great day. The Morrissey Group is a corporate authorised representative of Shaw and Partners Limited, ABN 24003-221583. Our financial services guide is viewable at www.shawandpartners.com.au. Any content within this podcast is subject to the terms and conditions of Shaw and Partners Limited's disclaimer, as viewable at www.shawandpartners.com.au forward slash disclaimer.